0: We are talking about, as I said, uh, Advent, which means the coming of Jesus or the arrival of Jesus, and talking about how God gives to us love, joy, hope, and, um, and peace. And tonight we're talking about joy, and I want you to just think about what brings you joy. So what brings you joy? Don't, and you don't have to over-spiritualize and think about, oh, it's Jesus, you know, but just what, what brings you joy? And a lot of times in the Christmas season, we think about um, what brings us joy as we make Christmas lists, uh, if anyone still does it anymore, um, as, as an adult. Some of you probably do. Um, and you think about what are those types of things that maybe you want for Christmas or the types of things that you just want in general in life. And those are often the types of things that bring us joy, that we enjoy. And when you think about what brings you joy, just think about what do you enjoy, what what do you enjoy? It might be maybe when you think about your Christmas list um, or you think about what you are even thinking about around the holidays, which is a time of joy often. It may be family. It may be uh, food. It may be movies. It may be time with friends. It may be rest and vacation. It may be, I mean, a whole variety of things. Just what do you enjoy? What is it that brings you Joy. When you when you have, I mean, maybe even think back on a day, um, and maybe it's this week or maybe it's the last month or maybe it's been a long time. But what was a day that you felt really joyful in? What was a day that you're like, man, I I just had joy that day? And joy is a powerful thing. I mean, it's really powerful because if you have joy, it can change everything. Like if you had a day that you can remember where you felt joy. Man, you're kind of just walking on cloud nine, right? So maybe let's spin it the other way. If you don't have joy, a day, everything gets interpreted through a negative lens. So if you're if you're feeling down, and maybe this is a day, or maybe it's a season. I've known people that for a season in their life really just have no joy. And it doesn't matter what it is, they interpreted it ne- negatively. So someone maybe is really kind to them and says... Hey, I'd like to help you. I'd like to hang out with you. And they think, oh, they must want something from me. And what, what is this? They're just treating me like a project. Or people that are full of joy. It doesn't matter. Something bad could happen. And it's still like, well, it's okay. And you just, you, you're able to weather ups and downs when you have joy. And when you have joy, it's powerful because you also you love and serve other people often. Like if you had a day maybe you got a call and you got a promotion or maybe it's a day i know some of you are students you finish you finish and finals are done and you're just feeling like up and so you just want to help i mean you you might buy the guys coffee in line behind you or you might because you're just you have joy and so you're giving joy right like joy is really powerful it's powerful because it changes how we interpret things it's powerful because we give out of joy when we have joy it's powerful because i mean it, it allows you to endure things that are really hard i mean if, if your life if something's going kind of difficult in your life but there's some source of joy over here then you're like it doesn't matter it's okay i remember when i first got married i was like man this is great that wasn't the difficult part that was the, that was the joy part and i was like man i got married this is great and, and the job I was working was really hard and worked really late hours, but it was okay. And we lived in a closet, literally, but it was okay. We lived in a studio, but our bed was in a closet because we, anyways, it doesn't matter. But so our bed was in a closet and my wife uh, slept with clothes hanging over her face. Um, no joke. So, but it was okay. So, I mean, joy, because we had a certain, we had a source of joy. It was, hey, we don't have any money and I'm working late hours and it's okay. It didn't matter. So when you have joy, it's really powerful, right? And and I know that, look, I just know, some of you are like, yeah, that sounds nice. I don't have that. And I, and I, and I get that, okay? So I'm not, I'm not talking about, um, hey, we all have that, and isn't that great? But when you have joy, and when you have had joy, and most of us have had some times in our life where we've had that, when you have that, it's powerful, which is why we all want it, and we all want joy. There's a lot of things that we could say, uh, maybe this person wants this and this person wants this. But we don't always want the same thing. You know, some people really want to be at the top in their career. And some people really want a big family. And some people, some people want to get married and some people don't want to get married. And some people want kids. And some people don't want kids. and Some people want to be famous and some people don't want to be famous. And some people want everyone to like them. Some people don't really care what anyone thinks. But we all want joy, right? We all want joy because it's powerful. It has the ability to make it so we can weather ups and downs. It has the ability to interpret our lens that we give out of it. Joy is a powerful thing, and so we all want it. And in fact, everything that we do, everything we do, is because we believe we'll get joy from it. I mean, where we spend our time and where we spend our money and who we hang out with, those are choices that we make because we believe, if I do this, I'll have some sort of happiness. None of us go. I'm going to do this because I think it's going to it's going to ruin me. I'm going to do this because I think it'll take away my happiness. I mean, the choices that we make, we do for happiness. I mean, this is. I mean, there's many different people that have um, talked about this, whether Christian or not Christian. But every choice that we make, everything that drives us, is joy. It's happiness. We do what we do for joy because it's powerful. It's powerful. It's very powerful, and so tonight, we're going to talk about joy, and talk about where it is that we get joy, what often keeps us from joy, and how we can sustain joy, because sometimes joy feels like, I've got it, and it's gone, and so we're going to talk about this as we open up the Bible, and uh, we're going to look at Matthew 2, so if you have a Bible, uh, open it up to Matthew chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, you can have the one that's in front of you. Uh, You can keep that. Um, or pull it up on your app, or just type in Matthew 2 into Google, and it'll it'll come up. And I'm just going to put up a picture on here uh, that'll go along with um, the text that we read. And this is the wise men. You've sang the song, um, I think. And um, we'll look at this, what, what Matthew tells us happens as Jesus was born, and, and what this can help us see about joy. Okay, so Matthew t- uh, chapter 2, starting in the very beginning, says this. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, so wise men from the east, that's, I mean, these people are coming somewhere probably around Asia, and they're coming, and they've been traveling for a long, long time, because it's kind of far, to get to see Jesus, okay? So, says, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So these people had been studying the stars. And that's not, this is not recommending that. It's just saying it happened and God used it. They'd been studying the stars and believed because of the star that they saw in the sky that some important king was born. And they'd been studying this and they'd been studying some of the the Old Testament texts and believed there must be an important king that's been born in Jerusalem. So they say, where is the king that we heard about? But Herod, okay, the guy that was currently the king, when Herod the king, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. So they ask him, hey, where's the king that's been born? And he, he's the king and he's troubled. And if someone went up to the president and said, where's the president that's been newly announced? You would probably, if you were the president, you'd go, um, I'm, I'm the president. And so Herod is troubled. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. See, the Old Testament prophesied that the Messiah, the Christ, would be born. And so he says, okay, these wise men are telling me that the Messiah supposedly has been born. Let's look through the Old Testament and see where did it say he was prophesied to be born. So Herod the king heard this. He was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, that I too may come and worship him. So he, sends, he, he tells the wise men, hey, we study the scriptures, and they say that he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So you're close. And so I want you to go find him. Go find out where he is. Go find out where he was born. Go find out. And then come tell me, because I want to worship him. Now, he doesn't, but that's what he says. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being, warned, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So God gives them a dream and says, don't tell Herod. Because Herod really doesn't want to worship him. He wants to kill him. So they follow this star. They follow this star to see where Jesus, this king, is to be born. And they see the star, and they see Jesus, and they rejoice exceedingly with great joy. So, as we look at this, see that the wise men found joy. See that the wise men found joy. They found joy. So, I think we can see some things from this text that can help us in our quest for joy. And the first thing I want to talk about is this. Can joy be found we read and see that the wise men found this great joy. We, we read and hear that it says they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And joy is something that all of us want and desire and look for and search for. But sometimes I think we're not even sure, can joy actually be found? Maybe you've tried for a long time to have joy. And you really go, man, I don't even know. Can joy be found? I know some of you have probably given up on joy. Can joy be found? Can joy actually be had? Is it just a Christmas story? Because here's what happens. What happens is this. We we search after things that we believe will bring to us joy, but it gets old. Like, I mean, I've got my favorite restaurant, but if I go there every single day, it's going to get old, right? Like the first meal is going to be, oh, this is amazing. This tastes so good. I'm gonna, I'm not. I mean, I'm gonna. Like, I'm not gonna yelp about it because I don't do that. But if I did do that, I would yelp about it. And I, some of you are yelp extraordinaires. Um, and I would. I would. I mean, just I would tell people about it because it would be amazing. But then if I went the next day and the next day and the next day, there's something about the quality of joy that fades that we experience something. I mean, same thing with your favorite movie. You might love your favorite movie and you watch it, but then if you were to watch it over and over again, it doesn't, it doesn't hold, right? It doesn't hold. This is why often people um, are addicted to various things, because you have to keep going and keep going and keep getting more and keep getting different things and keep getting increase the dosage of something. Can joy be found? We're all endlessly searching for it, but we all know it gets old. Not joy itself, but the things that we look to for joy. And so here's what happens. We think this. As we experience joy getting old, we think, maybe I just have the wrong thing. Maybe I need something different. So, you know, I've, I've looked for joy in my job, but my job just isn't working out. I, I thought I would get joy here, but it didn't work. So maybe I need a new job. I need to switch. I was looking for joy in this, and it didn't happen. So maybe I need a different job. Or we do that with people. I had this group of friends, and I thought I would get joy here, but it didn't work, so maybe I need to go over here and, and try this group of friends. Or maybe, I mean, some people, you know, they, they think, I will get joy when I'm really successful in my career. And so they're pursuing that, giving it all they got, and they find at the end, it's empty. So they go, well, maybe, maybe I really need to spend more time with my family. And so they dig into that, and they're spending time with their family, and they're and for a while it's working, but then they go, man, I don't really have joy here anymore. So maybe I need to travel the world. Maybe that's what we need to do. We just need to travel more. And we can go from one thing to the next thing thinking, maybe I just, maybe I just haven't found the right thing yet. People do this with religions. They, they try this thing and they try this thing and they, and they keep searching, going, if I, if I can get the right thing, then I'll get joy. Or maybe it's not the right thing, maybe it's just more you know, maybe you, you have money and you think, okay, once I just get a little bit more money, I'll have joy. Or maybe, maybe if I just get a little bit more vacation time, I'll get joy. Or maybe if I just get a little bit higher on the, the ladder in my career, I'll have joy. Maybe it's not the, it's the wrong thing. Maybe you believe you found the right thing, but you just need more of it. And so it's just this continual going, 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 and feels like, And I don't even know if joy can be found. Some people are in that search forever because you can keep bouncing from one thing to the next thing and and have something, but just think you need more of that thing. And here's the truth. The truth is that in some ways, that's right. In some ways, it's right. You, you, You need more and you need the next right thing. And here's what I mean. The The Bible says that God gives to us joy. The Bible says God gives to us joy and that all the different things that are good in this life, those are gifts from God because he's a good God. But that those things in and of themselves are shapes but not substance. See, we think, I just need more and it's because the things that we have, they were never meant to completely satisfy our longing for joy. It's a gift, and it's good, but it's never meant to completely satisfy. Or or we think we've got the wrong thing, and we need the right thing, and that's true because the things that we have in life are never enough. Because God designed them to be gifts, to be pointers to Him. See, look, everything in our life is a shadow of God. Every good thing in our life is a shadow of God. You know when you have a shadow of something? You can kind of see my shadow up here. That's not, can everybody see my shadow? That's not really me, right? But it's kind of me. I'm I'm tempted to right now do like a shadow puppet show, but I'm not going to. But that's, it looks like me kind of, but not totally. And that's what stuff in our life is like. The good stuff in our life is a shadow of God. It's a shadow of Him. See, the, Where's the source of joy? What's the source of joy? The source of joy is God. But what that means is that all the things that we have in life, they're all good things that are pointers, they're reflections, they're shapes of, but never the, the total substance. So you have a relationship with someone and you're like, man, this is great and I enjoy this, but it doesn't completely fulfill because it's only a shadow of the relationship that God calls you into with himself. And God gives you food that tastes delicious, and you go, man, this is so good. And yet, if you become a glutton and are always eating and eating and eating, it won't satisfy, because it's, it's a taste of what God's goodness is like. You know, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. He gives us flavors, He gives us things to show us His goodness, but they're all pointers to Him. It's like um, if you were to be hiking, And you were to find some water, just a little trickle of a stream or something. And if you've ever gone on some hikes that have a waterfall at the end of them, then often somewhere along the path, depending on the part of the path, there's water, right? And that water is—you look at it and go, "Okay, this is kind of nice. It looks kind of pretty running through here." But it's—it's just a shadow. It's just a reflection. It's just part of the source. The source is the waterfall. And and it's a lot different experience to dip your hand into a stream and feel some water. That's a lot different experience than it is to stand under a waterfall. Right? See, the source of joy is God himself. And and what the wise men found was that when they found Jesus, it says they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy joy. We, we looked at last week that the angels announced to the shepherds. They announced to the shepherds that Jesus was born as a king, and they said, they, in their announcement, they said, fear not, for we bring you good news of great joy. The king is here. See, all throughout the Bible, and if you've been around for a while here at our church, you've heard me say this, but all throughout the Bible, The message is that God has come to bring us joy. He's come to bring us joy. Think about Jesus' birth announcement was there's good news of great joy. He's come to bring joy. And when the wise men find him, they have joy at this king. See, the source of joy, the Bible says, is God, that God himself wants our joy, that God, I mean this is amazing, if you think about God, do you think of God as someone that says, I really want your joy, that even in his mission statement, in his birth announcement was when he came, it was, I came so that there would be joy. That's not often how we think of God. That what God wants for our lives is he wants us to find and experience joy. A lot of times we think that we want joy. And so we're going after this thing, and we're going after this thing, and we're going after this thing, and we think God wants our duty. But when Jesus comes on the scene, the announcement is, I bring you good news of great joy. Jesus is here. Jesus comes to bring to us joy. He comes to bring us joy. Now here's what this means. I know that some of your lives right now are probably going through a difficult season. Do you know that God looks at you right now in the middle of that? And his heart and his posture and his mind is not, get it together. But it's, I want joy for you in this that whatever is going on in your life right now, that Jesus looks and goes, I want to help you find joy. Now, it might not feel like that. I know that. But when Jesus comes to this earth, he shows up and the announcement is he's here to bring joy. When the wise men find him, they go, joy. And when Jesus looks into your life, Whatever you're in the middle of, he looks at it and says, I want to help you find joy. That God's heart towards us is not, come on, figure it out. But it's, I want to help you find joy. And joy can be found because the source of joy is God. That God comes to bring to us joy, that joy itself the fountain of joy from which all the gifts and all the experiences that we have that are shadows of joy, the fountain, the source itself is Jesus. That he is the one that is joy and comes to bring us joy. And so if we want joy, we go to him to find it. Because look, let me say this, God made you. God made you and he knows you. And he knows how he designed you. And he knows what will bring you joy. And he says it's himself. Now, I know that that can bring up this question, which is how can we have joy in God? Because I'm saying that we all search for joy, that we all desire joy, that we all want joy. And yet the things that we look to for joy in, they get old, they run out. We think, I I just got to get more of it. Or I just got to get a different thing. And yet God says, hey, I'm the one that actually comes to bring joy. I'm the one that came to bring joy. My birth announcement is, I'm here to bring you joy. Find joy in me. And yet, how do we actually find joy in God? How how can we have joy in God? How can we actually find our joy in God if it's not going to be found in all these other things? Because... If you've been a Christian for a while, you may have heard some of that idea before that you can have joy in God or God is the source of your joy. You may have heard that and it it still is difficult. You may know that. You may know that God is the source of joy and yet it can still be, okay, well how do I actually find joy in Him? Or maybe, as I said, you're in the middle of something really difficult. You're in the middle of something really difficult and even hearing about, hey, you can have joy in God makes you want to slap someone, maybe me. Because when you're going through something difficult and you hear, hey, there's joy, you can have joy in God. It's like, you can have joy in my fist. How about that? It can, it can feel insulting to say that, that that's possible. But let me say this. The Bible is not naive, okay? Because the wise men... They see this star and they rejoice with great joy. Jesus comes on the scene and the angel announces, I bring you good news of great joy. Jesus is here. And we would think, man, the Bible doesn't understand. The Bible doesn't get my life. Yeah, just talk about joy and hope and love and peace, but that's not real life. I don't see any wise men, I don't see any angels. It's easy to talk about joy and and all of that stuff when life is fine. But you know what? Just a couple sentences later, what happens is that Herod murders several babies. Because they're a threat to him as the king. And he, he wants to kill every child two and under to try to kill Jesus. See, the Bible's not naive, though. It speaks of this great joy and it speaks of this awesome rejoicing and it speaks of Jesus coming to bring joy. And then it says a bunch of babies got murdered. It's gruesome, it's graphic, and it's real. Because God understands our lives. He doesn't try to sugarcoat things. He doesn't try to speak of awesome joy and and all of these things without acknowledging that there's a lot of pain and difficulty and suffering in life. That isn't something that the Bible is naive about. It's not something that God is naive about. And so I think that with authority, God can speak and say, there is great joy in Jesus. There is great joy in Jesus. But my life, yes, that's true. There is struggle. There is pain. There is turmoil. And yet the Bible still says, Matthew still tells us that the wise men found joy in jesus the angel still says that jesus has come to bring us joy so how can we have joy in god how can we have joy in god and it's inextricably linked to the idea that jesus is coming as king when the angel announced like we looked at it last week it says there's great joy here's the king The wise men are on their search for who is this king? Where is this king? So to understand having joy in God, it is linked with the fact that Jesus comes bringing joy as a king that brings joy. So if we want to understand what it means to have joy in God, to find our joy in God, that's linked with the idea that Jesus comes as a king. That brings joy, which means this. First thing it means, if we want to find joy in God, if we want to learn, how can I have joy in God? If all the other sources of joy will fail me, and Jesus says he has come to bring to me joy, how can I have joy in God? It's linked with Jesus being king, which means this. First, we have to turn away from the other kings and the other joys that we pursue see if if we find joy in god by coming to jesus as king the first thing that means is we have to turn away from other kings that we look to for joy see i think that one of the biggest lies that we can believe one of the biggest lies that satan tells is that god is not good In the very beginning of the Bible, in the very first book of the Bible, what what the serpent says to Adam and Eve is essentially, God is not good. He's holding out on you. God is not good. You can find joy, you can find pleasure, you can find satisfaction somewhere else. And I think that's the lie, probably the most common lie that all of us are told all the time, that God's not good, that God's not for you, that there is joy and there is pleasure and there is satisfaction over here. And see what happens is, God says, I'm for you, I'm good, and I bring joy. And we say, I want that over here. I'm going to trust in this joy. I'm going to trust in this king to bring me joy. I'm going to trust in this as a source of joy. I'm not going to come to you for joy but I'm going to look over here, because we don't really believe God's good. We don't really believe that God is for us, that God wants good for us. We don't really believe that so often. So often what happens is we have a foot in both worlds. You may be a Christian, and you kind of have a foot in this world, going, okay, I want to come to God, and, and learn from God, and hear some things that the Bible says, and maybe go to church, and I want to kind of of look at Jesus as king, but I also kind of want to find my own joy and find my own meaning and follow my own path and be my own king. And we kind of have a foot in both worlds. And then we don't find joy. And oftentimes we go, see, it didn't work. God says he came to bring me joy, but it didn't work. But it's because we have a foot in both worlds. How do you know if that's what you're doing? How do you know if you're finding your joy in other kings and other sources of joy? Well, we're like Herod. See, isn't it interesting that that the wise men show up and they say, We heard a king was born here. We heard the king was born. And Herod doesn't go, That's awesome! Herod is scared. Herod is threatened. Herod is afraid. He hears the news that a king was born. He hears the news that Jesus is king. Herod hears Jesus is king, and he doesn't rejoice, right? He has fear, and he's afraid. What do you hear when you hear Jesus is king? Like, if, if you hear right now, Jesus is king. He's an I mean, and I'll just flesh out that concept. Jesus is king. He's Lord. He's in control of your life. Jesus wants to govern your life. Jesus wants to lead you in everything. Jesus wants to command you. Jesus wants to rule over you. Does that feel good? Or does that start to feel, I don't know if I want that. That's what happened to Herod. Herod hears, Jesus is king. And he's come. And he goes, that's not good news to me. I want to be king. See, if we want to find joy in God, the first part of that is we need to turn away from trying to be our own king. If we want to find joy in God, we have to turn away from saying, I want to find my own source of joy. I want to govern it for myself. And I want a little bit of God because I want a foot in that world, but I also want to be my own king. You know, it's even interesting, Herod, I mean, he he says, hey, let's look at the Bible. And I mean, he's, he's the Jewish king. So he's, you know, dabbling a little bit here and there in the scriptures and prayers and the temple. But he also wants to be his own king. He doesn't want another person showing up that's king. And the way we know if that's where our heart is, is when you hear Jesus as king to specific parts of your life. When you hear Jesus say, I want you to do this, when you open the Bible and you hear God say, I want you to do this, follow me, trust me, listen to me, obey me, and we go, I don't want to do that. That's how we know we're still living our life as king. And if we want to find joy in God, if we want to find joy in God, what that means is we find joy in Jesus as king. The announcement was, Jesus is here and he brings joy because he's a king. And the announcement that the wise men hear is there's a king that's born. And when they find the king, they have joy because finding joy in God is absolutely linked with Jesus being king. But so often we don't experience the joy that God intends for us because we haven't turned away from being king. We, like Herod, Want to be king. Because we don't believe that God is really good. We don't really believe he's for us. That he's a better king. That he's a good king. We don't really believe that the announcement that Jesus is king and wants to rule your life is good. We hear that as, "Ah, I don't know if I want that. Like Herod. But if he's good. If he's a good king. And that's a beautiful thing. So if we want to find joy in God, the first thing is we have to turn away from trying to be king. Turn away from trying to be king. And not just that, but then secondly, we turn to him as king. So we confess. We say, God, I've, I've tried to live as my own king. I've, I've looked for joy and all of these other things where I'm in charge and I'm ruling and I've let you kind of be a part of it. I've let you kind of play a piece in it, but I haven't really said, you're not side by side with me, you're above me as king. I haven't, I haven't done that, so we confess. But then we turn to him as king, which means this, we, we come to him like the wise men did, See, so you know how joy happens? Joy happens through cultivation. Joy happens through cultivation. Joy is cultivated. Joy is not just um, magically sprung upon us. Joy, it's like wine in many ways. I don't know if any of you drink wine, but you know, wine and coffee, a lot of those things, they, they're acquired tastes. So the first time you drink wine, you're kind of like, ugh, what the? Give me, give me some soda. And then you acquire the taste, and it's cultivated, and you begin to enjoy it. Or same with coffee, often. That if we were to serve coffee in the children's ministry at first, I mean, that would make the parents freak out, because um, the kids would be freaking out. But they would also think it was gross, most kids. Um, if they're Seattle kids, then they would love it. But most kids would be like, this is disgusting. But then, as you get older, and your job is stressful, and, you know, different things, then you love coffee. It's cultivated. Joy is something that is cultivated. Joy is something that is cultivated over time. Even the wise men. Do you know the wise men? They've been studying this, and they've been thinking about this king, and they've been, they've been contemplating this king, and they had been looking at scriptures and, and wondering about this king, and so when they finally saw the king, they rejoice because joy is cultivated. It's like Star Wars right now. You guys seen Star Wars? If not, so let me tell you what happens. At the end of the movie, Um, no, I'm just kidding. I haven't seen it because we were actually looking at it, uh, looking to go this, uh, yesterday and it's all, I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's completely like sold out except for the front row and it's sold out for weeks and it's sold out on Christmas. I was looking at it and it's a 10 a.m. showing on Christmas. I was like, this is sick. You people are supposed to be home opening presents with your family and you're going to go to star Wars this is disgusting, and it's making it so that I can't go, you know, so I mean, my judgmentalism is weird, but there's sick people that want to go, and it's sold out, so I haven't seen it yet, but here's what's interesting, Star Wars is doing an awesome job with marketing, but it's not, but think about what marketing is, it's cultivating, that anticipation, we have a box of Cheerios, in it is a C-3PO thing that you look at, there's oranges at the store with Star Wars on them, there's Star Wars everywhere, everywhere. I mean, even if you don't even know what Star Wars is, you've, the last couple months you've been seeing it everywhere. It doesn't matter what it is. You, your toilet paper has like Chewbacca on it. You're like, what is going on? Mine does. <laughs> um, it's everywhere because they're building this anticipation because joy is cultivated so that when you finally go to the movie, you obviously enjoy the movie, But it's because the joy in you has been cultivated. If you ever went to Disneyland as a kid, I don't know if you did this, but we would watch Disney movies before going to it because the joy is cultivated. So if we want to find joy in God, first is we have to turn away from the other joys where we set ourselves up as king like Herod does and don't like the announcement that Jesus is king because we don't believe he's good. We don't believe he's really for our joy. That's the first thing. But the second thing is that joy is cultivated. So we turn from other things and we turn to Jesus like the wise men do, like they did, and we cultivate joy. Which, I mean, that's reading your Bible and seeing Jesus. It's spending time with other people, talking about Jesus. It's as you look at the good things in your life, giving thanks, saying thank you that this is, a part of what you're like, Jesus? Joy is cultivated. The more you get to know Jesus, the more your joy increases in Him. We we watched a movie this week called The End of the Tour, and it's about um, a writer for Rolling Stones that interviewed a famous author at the time named David Foster Wallace. Brilliant man. And what's interesting, and this is you know, true with It played itself out in this story, but it's true in in many different contexts. The interviewer is getting criticized from his boss because his boss is saying, you need to ask him these questions about this heroin addiction. You need to ask him these questions. And and he's saying, are you you starting to like him? You can't like him. He's someone you're interviewing. But what happens is this interviewer spent several days with the person he was interviewing, and over time, just got to like him. Because the more you spend time with someone, if, if they're a good person, if you like them, if you like being around them, the more you spend time with someone, the joy is cultivated. Joy doesn't, so, look, if you look in your life right now, and you go, man, I don't have any joy in God. I mean, if, if you, if we're just to be honest, and you were to say, man, what really brings me joy in my life? Is it God? And you're like, you know what? I don't. Okay, that's okay. But that doesn't happen magically. You don't just get joy in God. You don't just wake up and go, oh, God is joy? Okay. It's cultivated. It's just just like a relationship with a human being is cultivated. Just like Star Wars is cultivated. Joy is cultivated. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. Joy happens as we turn away from being king. And joy happens as we turn to Jesus as king. We turn to him as king and begin to get to know him. We begin to see who he is, to see what he's like. This is partially why I'm really excited about the series that we have coming up, talking about who is Jesus, because I think as we get to know him more and more and more, joy is cultivated. Joy is cultivated you know what happens so we t- said that joy is really powerful you know what happens when they experience joy what what do they do they give gold and frankincense and myrrh they give not because he needed anything but when we experience joy in god we're now not needing to look for it anywhere else so we our hands are open and we just give and serve cuz we're full See, if we don't feel full of joy, then we're always looking to get it, which means that we live our life to get. So other people, they may come in useful, but we're looking to get. But if you're full of joy, then you give because you already have joy. See, the wise men didn't need gold. They didn't need frankincense, and they didn't need myrrh. They didn't need it. Because they had found a great source of joy for themselves. So they were willing to give. Look, if you have joy in your life, then you're willing to give your time, and you're willing to give your money, and you're willing to serve people and love people because you're full, because you have the source of joy. You have the source of joy. So how do we find joy in God? First, we have to turn from ourselves being king. So let me ask you that. Do you believe Jesus is a good king? Do you believe he's a good king? Such that you're willing to say, I won't be king anymore. Such that you rejoice in the fact that he wants to lead you and guide you. Look, I know that's hard, okay? I speak as someone that is a a fellow struggler in wanting to be my king. If you deny that, if you deny that that's a struggle for you, then I think you're blind. Man, I want to be my own king. I want life to go the way I want it to go. The first step in finding joy in God is to say, God, I'm not going to be king anymore. I'm going to let you tell me what to do because I trust that you're good. I'm going to let you lead my life because I believe you're a better king than I am. And second is to come to him and cultivate joy. So are you? Have you come to Jesus and said, you're king, not me? Are you, is there areas in your life where God has spoken to you? Areas in your life where you've read the Bible or you've heard teaching of what the Bible says and and you know what you're supposed to do, but you don't want to because you believe that you will find joy ruling your own life. I'm telling you, God's a good king. And if you know what that area is right now, and even if God's bringing it to your mind, The the beginning to find joy in God is to say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you and know that you're a good king. And then second, it's it's cultivating that joy in God. So are you doing that? Are you spending time getting to know him? Are you getting to know him? See, the battle, the battle is where is joy to be found? The battle really is this, though. It's, is God good? is God good? That's really the battle. The battle is, is he good? If he says he brings my joy, can I really trust him? And we battle with that. We trust ourselves. Can I really trust him? He says he wants my joy. He says he's for me. Can I really trust him? That's the battle that we face. That is the battle that we face You know, what God wants to do is rip out everything from your life. Rip out everything from your life that would keep you from finding joy. And that's beautiful, but it can be painful too. He wants to take away everything in your life that would steal your joy. Because he wants your joy. Here's how Hebrews says this. Says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. That's turn away from everything that you're looking to for joy in. Stop trying to be your own king. Get rid of everything that hangs on to you. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So you see both of those pieces in there. Get rid of all the ways that you're trying to be your own king and look at Jesus. Look at him. Get to know him. See him as a good, trustworthy king. But then I love how he ends this because how do we really know he's a trustworthy king? How do we really know he's for us and wants our good? And and look what it says. We look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him Endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And here's what it says. Get rid of everything over here that you are seeking to be the king in your life with. Look to Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, here's what you see. You see someone who was willing to endure the cross, why? For joy? See, you're willing, we are all willing to endure pain if we know joy's on the other side. If you've ever stood in line for an awesome roller coaster, you're willing to endure pain for joy. You're willing to endure the pain of an engagement for the joy of marriage. You're willing to endure the pain of all sorts of things for joy. And the greater the joy is, the more pain you're willing to endure. Right? Jesus was willing to endure the cross, death, shame. Why? For joy? What was that joy? What was the joy set before him that he was willing to endure the cross for? It was getting us. How can you trust God? How can you trust that God is the one that is really for your joy, so you should turn to him as king? How can you trust that? How can you trust that joy is to be found in him? You know how? Because his joy is you. His joy is I'm willing to endure anything so that they can be in my family. I'm willing to have my body broken and my blood shed so that they can be with me. That was his joy. That was his joy. We are God's joy. Jesus came to this earth and it said, good news of great joy That that God comes to bring joy. And yet his joy is that he got us. That's an amazing, beautiful thing. We are all wanting joy. We all are craving joy. The way to find joy is to find it in God. And the way to know that you can trust that God is a good king, that is for your joy, is to see how much he was willing to endure Because we are his joy. And so when we take communion, I want you to remember that. I want you to think about that. That Jesus was willing to endure everything so that he could enjoy a relationship with you. He was willing to go through such horror so that he could go, ha, ah, I get you now. I mean, that's beautiful. So would you uh, close with me in prayer? And then we will sing songs because we believe that Jesus is a good God. And the joy is to be found in him. God, I thank you that you, um, that you are absolutely committed to our joy. Even though when we go through life, sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Sometimes it feels like you are taking things out of our life. Sometimes it feels painful. And sometimes in the middle of life, God, it's hard. And you know that. And you see that, and I thank you for that, God. I thank you that you see into each of our lives right now. You see the suffering, and you see our sin, and you see our heartache, and you see our loss, and you see our disappointment, and you see our guilt, and you see our shame, and you see our difficulty, and you see our doubt. God, you see all of that, and yet you want for us joy. And you want us to find our joy in you as a good king, And so I pray, help us, Holy Spirit, move our hearts, guide our hearts to see you as a good, trustworthy King. God, I can't even really comprehend the fact that you were willing to endure the cross for the sake of the joy of knowing us, for the sake of the joy of us being in your family. But I thank you for that. And I pray that you would make that real to our hearts. I pray that you would fill us with a joy that comes from seeing you as such a good king that is for us. pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.